Hey, JB. Hey, Rebecca. Okay, what is the title of today's episode? I think today's episode is called Know the Product. That's absolutely right. And why did we call it that? I, I don't know. Why are we calling it that? Okay, I'm going to tell you why. It's because our guest knows the Disney Parks and Resorts product inside and out. And he's worked at every Disney theme park resort location around the world. Okay, that's amazing. But how many locations is that? Uh, you had to ask me that, huh? Didn't you? Okay, Um. Yeah. Right, real quick. There's Florida, there's California. We have Hong Kong, France, Shanghai, and Japan. Okay, so that's six, six locations around the world and he's worked them all. Uh, I can't wait. This is going to be a great episode. Our guest today is Dave Vermeulen, and we are going to learn more about his leadership, his life, and his thoughts on being a leader in the Walt Disney Company. Stay with us. Welcome. I'm your host, J.B. Adams. And I'm your host, Rebecca Morgan. In this series, we bring you conversations with experienced leaders. Because a leader is anyone who influences change, we want to understand not just what leaders do, but who they are and how they can be effective in a rapidly changing world. We hope you'll learn some things about our guests, about our topic, and also about yourself. This is Leadership Life Stories. You can find episodes of this and all other Victor Media Group shows on our website at victormediagroup.co. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe and connect with us on your favorite social media platform. We'll be right back after this important message. Well, hi there, listeners. It's Rebecca Morgan. If you told my younger self you are going to love talking about leadership, and when you grow up, you will lead hundreds and develop thousands of managers and leaders and create great places to work, I would have laughed at the idea because I was focused on becoming a dolphin trainer. Yeah, while I still love dolphins, what I really love to do is leadership development. So much so that I created the Awesome Leader League, the ultimate collection of people-centered leadership skills to help you be a better leader. If you're looking for ways to become more confident and an effective people-centered leader that people will trip over their own feet to follow, this is your resource. And did I mention we do it in 20 minutes or less? Join us now at theawesomeleaderleague.com. Welcome back to Leadership Life Stories. I'm Rebecca Morgan and my co-host is JB Adams. This season of Leadership Life Stories is devoted to examining Disney leadership as the Walt Disney World Resort celebrates its 50th anniversary. This is part one of a two-part interview with Dave Vermeulen. He enjoyed a 48-year career with Walt Disney Parks and Resorts, starting at Disneyland in 1965, where his first job involved scooping ice cream. He was there at the opening of Walt Disney World, where he later served as general manager of several Disney resorts, and he went on to serve as vice president of resort operations at Hong Kong Disneyland and vice president and executive managing director of Walt Disney Attractions Japan. He's currently retired, but is still available to lead when needed, and he holds the distinction of having worked at every Disney theme park resort location in the world. And in this segment, we asked Dave Vermeulen to share his leadership philosophy, to explain why being a Disney leader is a big deal, and to share his best examples of Disney leadership. Dave Vermeulen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rebecca. It's great to be here. This show is about leadership, so let's start by asking, Dave, in general, what is your leadership philosophy? Well, I think my leadership philosophy boils down to uh, fine care for the product, understanding the product, the philosophies behind it, and then doing everything that I can to role model the behaviors 
that all of us need to perform in order to deliver the product that the guests come to experience. Now, Dave, you make it sound so simple. Does this come easy for you or did you have to figure it out over time? I had to figure it out over time. You know, when I started at Disneyland, uh, I don't remember ever hearing the word leadership. We were supervisors and we kept tabs on things. And so over the years, through various the projects that I worked on and different roles, the approach that I take evolves. I think it was a slow process, steady. I had the opportunity with all the different assignments I had with Disney to work with a lot of leaders. And some were really great and some were not so great. And with each of them, you learn. So Dave, we have some skeptics to address who might be thinking that this is no big deal. You know, so what? You were a leader at a theme park and you worked in leisure and entertainment. Is leisure and entertainment a big deal? And if so, how? Uh, leisure and entertainment is a huge deal, in my opinion. And having had the opportunity to work at the international sites, as well as our domestic sites, I learned that we all want the same thing. We want to come and have a safe, fun experience. We want to have memories for ourselves and for our children. So you know, when people say people are different around the world, I think that's misleading. Yes, we all have our cultural veneer, but once we pierce that, we find that everybody's alike. And Disney has the way of doing that. So I think leisure and entertainment is huge for the world. And how do you feel that your work in particular that you did is a big deal? Were there any locations or projects where you worked that contributed to Disney's mission? I'm gonna take a risk and say every project that I worked on contributed to the mission in one way or another, but certainly, and I'm gonna go back to the opening of Walt Disney World, the opening of Tokyo, the opening of Paris, those projects in particular were especially important because of introducing the Disney product to a whole new audience. Mm. And if we didn't get it right, if mm -hmm. we didn't get it right, then we had some serious problems. So those are some interesting challenges and I'm sure we'll talk about later in the show. But uh, we had you describe your leadership philosophy. How would you define Disney leadership specifically? I think Disney leadership is about caring for the product, striving to make the guest experience as seamless as possible, which means we have to have great partners, know who our partners are, the stakeholders and so on. and together striving to create a product that is appreciated by the guests, a product that allows us to appreciate our cast members. And I think that's what it's, what it's all about. Certainly Disney leadership is about driving a profit and certainly about cross-marketing, but in the parks and resorts area, I think it's about seamlessness. It's about focus on the cast, focus on the guest, deliver the product profitably. And did you have a Disney leadership role model? I don't think I could say I had a role model that was singular in the sense of, you know, the all to end all. But, you know, I worked uh, back at Disneyland with a guy named John Catapano. And Johnny was this crazy, short Italian food supervisor that had moved out from New York. And from him, I learned about looking at situations differently. I was very focused and follow the rules, follow the book, no exceptions. And Johnny, on the other hand, weighed everything differently, 
and looked at things in a certain angle that I never did. And one day I said to him, Johnny, you know, your problem is you are consistently inconsistent. Mm. And it really hurt him. I didn't try to hurt him. I didn't mean to hurt him, mm -hmm. but it did. But then over time, I learned that he was doing it the right way. You know, that we're not all identical and every situation can't be handled identically. Yeah, that's a great lesson for any young person to be exposed to. Um, and I'm curious, were there any other leaders that made an impression on you during your early days with the company? When I was working as the manager for the Epcot Center grand opening, I was reporting directly to Bob Yanni. And Bob was the head of entertainment and pulling together the grand opening menu, so to speak. And uh, two things I think about with him, one is that he had such exceptionally high standards that it drove everybody crazy sometimes but it drove us to do everything we possibly could to deliver as close to his high standards as possible. And then another thing that I think about Bob is that like three or four days before the first grand opening event, Bob comes up to me and says, well, you're done. And I was like, what? Yeah, I'm done. That? And he said, you're done because by now, you should have completed your job, and the team will take it from there. You have to rely on the team. Let them do it. If you've done your job well, they know what they're doing, and they'll execute. And for me, that was a big learning because it helped me understand that you just can't do everything in the thick of battle. You know, how could I have possibly been involved with everything that was going on during the three-day celebration? So... I could go on with other examples, but I had many role models that taught me pieces of the puzzle. Okay, JB, let's take a moment and reflect on what we just heard. What do you think about what Dave had to say about Disney leadership? I was very intrigued with the idea that having a distinct policy or plan as a leader, that might make you feel comfortable and safe, you know, oh, this is the rule. But there is something to be said about situational leadership, and I think that's what he was referring to. It comes with experience and maturity, and that eventually you will see that not all situations are one size fits all. So what did you yeah. think? Yeah, no, I heard that as well. And it's, it's about staying curious, observant, and always be open to learning and adjusting your plan, right? And I heard loud and clear to be that role model. Yeah, very much. Our guest is Dave Vermeulen, and we'll be back in a moment to learn more about how he found his way to Disney and to leadership. Please stay with us. Welcome back to Leadership Life Stories. I'm Rebecca Morgan. My co-host is J.B. Adams, and our guest is Dave Vermeulen, former executive level leader at several Walt Disney Company resorts, including the Walt Disney World Resort. We want to learn more about our guest backstory, and you know what that means. JB wants to analyze our guest's personality. Yes, I do. <laughs> Leadership Life Stories presents the Self-Awareness Quiz, featuring the five-factor model that measures the five personality traits of openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Remember, leadership begins with self-awareness and you can't change your personality as much as you can manage it. So let's take a little time and get to know our guest. Dave, are you ready? 
I am ready. So for openness, do you consider yourself creative or practical? I consider myself more creative. Conscientiousness, do you consider yourself disciplined or flexible? Well, that's, that's one where I have to pick two, but if I can only pick one, I'll pick flexible. For extroversion, do you consider yourself introverted or extroverted? Uh, at work, definitely extroverted. Agreeableness, do you consider yourself compliant or challenging? I would go with compliant. Neuroticism, do you consider yourself sensitive or steady? Pretty steady. Pretty All steady. Right. Dave, you described yourself as creative, flexible, extroverted, compliant, and steady. Where do you think this type of personality best fits? What environment should someone with this personality seek? Well, that's a great question. I would say that within the Disney organization, the fact that the product is always evolving, you always have new marketing initiatives, new movies coming out, that sort of thing, that the model that I just answered to, I would say would work very well in Disney parks and resorts, because I think you have to be able to deal with all these things that we were just talking about. Dave, can I ask a question? This actually goes back to my processing from the previous segment. Based on your personality and the number of times that I have heard you describe opening and something new in this never before done project, I think you're kind of attracted to those things that are right on the edge of never been done before. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If there's a big challenge that sounds really exciting, I want to be part of it. Let's learn more about your early years. Where were you born and raised? I was born in Santa Ana, California, which is a town right next to Anaheim, California. So, you know, right near Disneyland before it opened. Um, and then we moved down to the Imperial Valley. My dad was a farmer, so he raised all types of different crops and we lived out in the country. And then when I was 12, he died. So my mom, sister and I moved back up to Anaheim. Um, so I lived there, went to school in Anaheim after I was 12. Dave, just curious, was your dad a carrot farmer? You were in the Carrot Valley there. We were not only in the Carrot Valley, but back then they said it was the carrot capital of the world. And yes, he did grow carrots, but he also raised some sheep. He did lettuce, cotton, alfalfa. He had a whole variety of uh, things. And he always told me to never be a farmer. <laughs> wow. Really? He, yeah, he, he insisted that I not be a farmer. So I didn't. <laughs> Okay, what generation do you identify with? I'm a baby boomer based on my age, but I don't think I'm a baby boomer that's just fixed in his thinking. I think of myself as very open-minded and fresh and looking for new ideas. And so I'm a qualified baby boomer. Understood. What were your parents' occupations? You said your dad was a farmer and your mom? My mom was a, was a mom. She was a housewife. Mm -hmm. And when I was three, she developed multiple sclerosis. And uh, so at the time of my dad's death, she was already an invalid. So when we moved up to Anaheim to be close to the family, I took over many of the responsibilities for 
you know, cooking and paying bills and that type of stuff until her condition got to the point where she needed to go into a convalescent hospital. Do you have any siblings? And if so, what was the birth order? I'm the oldest and I had a sister who was two years younger. So Dave, you've described an interesting childhood to us. You lived on the farm. Your dad told you to not be a farmer, which I find fascinating. Your mother had multiple sclerosis. And after your dad died, you moved into Anaheim. What would you say was your role in the family? And did you consider yourself a leader at this young age? I uh, certainly did not consider myself a leader at that age. With the death of my dad, it became obvious that somebody needed to take care of the things that I stepped up to take care of. But I didn't think of it as leadership. I just thought of it as being the one that had to take care of things for the family because there was no one else could do it. Um, as a teenager, I began to stray. I had gotten mixed up with the wrong crowd, the wrong friends. I had been an exemplary child and student when we lived down in the Imperial Valley. And then all of that slowly headed south as the years passed by. Would you say that was because of the loss of your dad? I think that was a factor. Yeah, I think that was definitely a factor. And I didn't want to move back up to Anaheim. I wanted to stay in Holtville where I had friends and all that type of stuff. And adjusting to the new environment was challenging. So as I said, I began to get mixed up with some of the wrong people. And fortunately, I had an opportunity to start working at Disneyland, which gave me the opportunity to break with that crowd and turn things around. So Dave, can you tell me specifically about how you found that early job at Disneyland and the turning point that got you there? Yes, I can. And I think it's an interesting story, but it goes all the way back to my mother. So when my mother was a child, I mean, probably that age, when a girl would be a babysitter, she babysat Ron Dominguez. And Ron Dominguez at one time was the head of all of Disneyland, you know, in later years, a very significant Disney legend, if you will. And so I was wanting to find a job and didn't even really know how to go about doing it. And my mom said, well, would you want to work at Disneyland? And I said, well, sure. And she said, well, let me see if I can call Ron Dominguez. And so she called Ron and I ended up getting a job with UPT concessions. So you had to be 18 to work for Disney at that time. So I went with a concessionaire. UPT concessions was United Paramount Theaters, but we called it underpaid teenagers. <laughs> and I started scooping ice cream. And I really enjoyed it. I had fun with the guests. I learned a lot about people. I enjoyed the fellow cast members. It was, a, even though scooping ice cream wasn't fun, everything else about it was fun. But to show you how naive I was about how things work out, a year later, Ron Dominguez came by our house and he said, well, now that you're 18, uh, we can put you in operations, attractions. You know, I could have been a Jungle Cruise skipper or something. And I said, no, that's okay. I'm happy with what I'm doing. And I stayed in food and beverage, you know, but that's how it all happened. 
And over time, I became a fry cook, and then I became a lead, and then a general lead, and et cetera, et cetera. We'll just ask these to get them out of the way, because some folks are thinking this. You were at Disneyland in the 1960s. Did you cross paths with Walt? I came real close. You know, as a 17-year-old kid, I wasn't all that impressed with Walt. You know, it was like, okay, so what's the big deal? And uh, one day he was escorting some VIP through the park in a, like an electric carriage or something like that. And he came probably within, you know, 15, 20 yards of where I was. And some of my fellow cast members, you know, went running out to see Walt and I just kept scooping ice cream. <laughs> so I met, I met Roy, I met, you know, Roy Sr., Roy Jr. I met, you know, lots of people over the years, but never Walt. All right, Dave, one more question for this segment, because this is sort of about your origins. Do you believe that leaders are born or made? I think they can be born, but I think more are made. I just think that you see these families where they have a rich military tradition. You know, granddad was a general and my dad was a general and I'm a general or an admiral and my son is coming up the ranks of the military. I don't think even in situations like that, it just happens. I think they're groomed. I think they're made. Okay, Rebecca, let's reflect on this. What did you think about Dave Vermeulen's backstory? Well, you know, as Dave shared, although, you know, working for Disney is not for everyone, it can really change you in so many ways, right? You learn so much about people, service, efficiency, not to mention about yourself, and the opportunities can be endless if you're open to them. I mean, look at us. I wouldn't be here right now with you doing this podcast, talking to incredible leaders like Dave, if it wasn't for Disney. Yeah, much gratitude to Disney for bringing us together. Right. All right, JB, what about you? Tell me about what you took away. Dave said one thing that was very meaningful to me, hit close to home because I grew up on a farm. But I differ from him and his father in this way. Nobody ever told me not to be a farmer and I would never tell anybody what they should or shouldn't do with their career decisions. But I would say this to anybody who asked me, whatever you do, you better decide to love it. And in this case, in Dave's case, I think he made the right decision to not be a farmer. So it was the right thing for him. Absolutely. Our guest is Dave Vermeulen. And when we come back, we'll hear more about his thoughts about the evolution of leadership, both Disney's leadership and his own. So please stay with us. Welcome back to Leadership Life Stories. I'm JB Adams. My co-host is Rebecca Morgan. And our guest is Dave Remulin, former executive level leader with Walt Disney Parks and Resorts. In a moment, we're going to get Dave Remulin's perspective on the evolution of Disney leadership over time. But before we do that, it's time for... Hey, hear that sound? I do, it sounds like a train. Exactly, the sound of the train whistle means that it's time to play Walt Disney World Insider Free Association. This is the game where there are no right or wrong answers, no winners or losers, and there are no prizes. So to play the game, we provide you with a series of prompts about your Walt Disney World experience, and for each one, you say the first answer that pops into your head. 
Dave Vermeulen, are you ready to play? I'm ready. Your favorite Disney character is? Big Bad Wolf. Ooh. Favorite Walt Disney World theme park? Has to be Magic Kingdom. Has to be Magic Kingdom. Your favorite Walt Disney World resort? Pop Century. Favorite attraction that's still operating? I would say Big Thunder Mountain. Okay. Favorite attraction that's no longer operating? Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Yeah. Yes. Favorite restaurant and meal? At Walt Disney World, I would have to say the restaurants, plural, and meals at Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge. Dave, anything at Walt Disney World overrated? I think that people could find things that they might judge to be overrated, but all of the attractions appeal to a certain audience. So I'm going to say none are overrated. Very good answer. Is there anything at Walt Disney World underrated? I'm going to hone in on the Magic Kingdom. I think like the steam train. Mm -hmm. I always thought it was wonderful to be able to go out around, surround the park, get these panoramic views. I think the steam train would be one that comes to mind quickly. Wonderful. You need JB to blow the whistle again? Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Come on, JB, your turn. My turn. Uh, exclusive backstage secret. That's another good one. When I was at the Magic Kingdom, uh, we were doing convention events in the park and we were always being challenged to find new locations. And I think people would be surprised that we, on a few occasions, tripped out areas that were down in the tunnel, the Utilidor, and we would do banquets in the tunnel. Oh. You know, and you know, not hundreds and hundreds of people, but 20, 30, 50, you know, in areas. And then we would escort them into the tunnel a certain way because there are obviously things you don't want them to see. And then be magically transformed in this environment down in this very obvious workspace. That is a surprise. And you said things that we wouldn't want them to see. I'll just add things we wouldn't want them to smell. Um, all right, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for playing Walt Disney World Insider Free Association. Um, and as I said, sorry, no prizes. But uh, your participation was a prize enough for us. Okay, in a moment, we're going to talk with Dave Vermeulen and get his thoughts on the evolution of Disney leadership. But before we do that, we need to set some context. First, a reminder. Dave Vermeulen had a 48-year-long career with the Walt Disney Company, and in that time, he held over 30 different roles. So he's seen a lot of Disney leadership over the years, and he's going to mention some things that we need to set up. Well, okay, I'll set it up. Let's. Okay, we're going to do a quiz. Let's do it. Just like we did, right? Wait, am I doing the quizzing or you're, you're doing I'm quizzing. quizzing you, J.B. Adams. It's about time because he is going to mention names like Dick Nunes. So, J.B., who was Dick Nunes? Dick Nunes was the president of Walt Disney Attractions throughout the 70s, 80s, and into the 90s. Okay, another one. He is going to mention Michael and Frank. Who are they? Michael, Michael Eisner was the CEO of the Walt Disney Company starting in the mid-1980s, and Frank Wells was the president at the same time up until 1994. Okay, and one more name you're going to hear is Judson Green. Judson Green was the chief financial officer of the entire company, and he was then promoted to become president of theme parks and resorts attractions in the early 1990s, and he led the cultural transformation 
of theme parks and resorts that was called Performance Excellence. Good job, I love, JB. I love taking a quiz. Good job, you did great. Okay, we wanna get your perspective on Disney leadership, not just your own, but also how leadership development is supported by the company. From your point of view, did you witness leadership styles evolving? You know, using Walt Disney World or even going back to Disneyland. And as I said in, in an earlier segment, you know, I never really heard the word leader or leadership when I was at Disneyland. But the leaders in charge of Disneyland at that time, they in many ways defined the product. You know, they put Disneyland on the map through their work and effort to deliver on the promise that Walt Disney envisioned. And many of those people were part of the opening leadership team for Walt Disney World. And they did the same thing at Walt Disney World. So I think those of us that came later owe those individuals tremendous gratitude for what they did, because if they hadn't, none of us would have had those opportunities. But, you know, times change, the corporate imperatives change, new leaders came in, Michael and Frank, for example, they wanted to get more out of the parks. And so those early leaders passed the baton on to others who were able to find a way to drive profits, to expand the business in other ways, to cooperate with the other segments of Disney and cross promotion and all of those types of things, while uh, at the same time becoming better leaders of our cast members. I can remember Judson Green talking about, you know, we have some leaders that are great with results, but not so great with the people. And we have other leaders that are great with their cast members, but they don't necessarily deliver the results. And we all need to get on the bus as the expression was in those days and perform where we need to perform on both counts. And if you can't, then we'll have to figure out something else for you. So I think the leadership has evolved and now we're much more refined and sophisticated how we look at the business. We make great decisions based on great analytics that we have available to us. And it shows that we are able to keep driving the business, keep the dream alive with our guests in a way that we might not have ever thought about back in the early days. Dave, I want to go back to something that you just mentioned. Would you say that there was a variety of leadership styles in the Disney company during the 1970s and 1980s. And then that those styles started to sort of coalesce in the 1990s, or would you say it was the other way around? How did the style change over time? Um, as I think about it from my perspective, I would say that in the early days, we had almost a more military types of approach to leadership top-down, you know, driven that way. And especially as Judson came onto the scene, we became more engaging with other people, participating, listening, thinking about stakeholders, striving to become seamless. Yeah. And I just want to clarify, you use the word military. 
when you say top down, top down style. That wasn't just at Disney in the 70s and 80s. That was kind of throughout corporate America, was it not? I think so. And so do you think that Disney was ahead of the curve in sort of shedding that style and replacing it with a more engaging leadership style? Or were they a little behind? I think that we were towards the front of the parade. I don't think we were ahead of the curve uh, leading the parade, but I think, and I'm going to go back to Judson, I think Judson began to realize that we needed to change if we were going to really prosper. And what was he seeing? What was he preparing for in, you know, this is kind of a big decision to transform a culture that has tens of thousands of people working in it. That's a kind of a, a, a tall order and it didn't happen overnight. What was he noticing that made this the right move? Well, I'm flattered that you think I would definitely know what he noticed, but um, my instinct is that he saw the, a certain closed-mindedness, uh, a lack of teamwork and cooperation, uh, opportunity to embrace the cast more. Those are the things that I think about in reply to your question. Okay. What was your takeaway from participating in this and observing this transformation? Well, I think the transformation was the right thing to do. But another takeaway was that I remember in the beginning trying to figure out where I was falling. You know, was I able to or could I be able to make this transition or was I one of those people that would be unable to? So that was kind of a personal takeaway. I believe that I made a successful transition. And I guess the other takeaway is I think he was right. that We needed to make those changes. Okay, so now you've got me curious, Dave. Oh, dear. I'm finding this very hard to imagine. Dave Vermeulen having an authoritarian leadership style. Did well, that's how, that's how I was brought up at Disneyland. And, and the early years at uh, Walt Disney World, that was the environment that I was coming up in. And while I've talked about some of the people, even at Disneyland, that had a positive influence on me. It is a simple reality. That was our approach in those early days. And there were certain expectations about how you supervised people before the word leadership became so important to us. So are you saying that you did have that style and, and it worked in, in instances? Uh, I had a bit of that style and sometimes it worked and sometimes it backfired. Mm -hmm. yeah. And what about now? Do you still pull that out from time to time? No, I don't think so. I mean, I could if I had to, but, uh, but no. Okay, JB, what are your takeaways from this conversation with Dave? Well, I did not work with Dave Vermeulen, but I heard a lot about him. And I've read a lot about him. And what I'm very intrigued by is the idea that he could ever take a top-down approach to leadership because it kind of goes against his reputation. Um, he's kind of known for being very much a servant leader. So it's possible that when you become a mature leader and you have many different tools in your toolkit, that maybe you can use that situational approach and figure out which style is going to work best. But 
all of this just really makes me admire him. What do you think? You know what? I really want to talk about that too, because I had no idea, none, that Dave had that authoritarian, autocratic, command and control leadership style in his past. He's such an advocate, like you said, of servant leadership and a role model of that. And, you know, I worked with him, so I had no idea that he has this background in a different style of leadership, right? And it talks so much to his belief in, uh, that we have as well, that leaders are made and that you get to choose what kind of leader you want to be and that it is never, ever impossible to change if that style doesn't feel right or serve you or your people. I love the fact that you mentioned that it's a choice. I mean, that's the thing that really connects with me. You get to choose what kind of leadership style. Once you grow into that style and you know who you are, you can be authentically choosing what style is going to work in the situation. This is just a reminder to our listeners that this is the end of part one of the two-part interview we have with Dave Vermeulen. In our next episode, we're going to learn more about what it was like for Dave Vermeulen to find his way in the Disney company, how he defines success, and his best leadership advice. Please come back for part two. See you soon. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon with another episode. You can find Leadership Life Stories and all other Victor Media Group podcasts at victormediagroup.co. Leadership Life Stories was created by J.B. Adams and executive produced by Gerard Mitchell. Today's episode was co-hosted by Rebecca Morgan and J.B. Adams. Sound design by Michael Orlowski. Mixing and editing by Manny Simone. It's the mission of Victor Media Group to make the world a better place by making ourselves better people. If you like this show, follow us at Victor Media Group on your favorite social media platform. This is J.B. Adams, and until next time, remember, if you can dream it, you can do it.